Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Now before I hand the time now to uh, Pastor Lionel this morning, uh, can I invite all of us to stand at the reading of this morning's passage. The Bible passage for this morning's uh, message is based on Psalm 92, verse 1 to 9. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-stringed instrument, a harp, and the melody of a lyre. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. O Lord, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts. Only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds, and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered. Please be seated. Pastor Lino, please. Let's welcome Pastor Lino. Very good morning, church. Well, first of all, I want to welcome once again the Filipino congregation. You know, I spent quite a fair bit of time with them over the years, and they are really endeared to our Pastor Rhoda. So when they heard that uh, Pastor Rhoda will be commissioned today, you know, all of them decided that they are going to move their worship service here so that they can go upstairs afterward to have pizza and barbecue, you know, for lunch to celebrate that. Filipino people love celebration. And this is one occasion that they're doing it. Yeah. Well, today, like uh, what Pastor Dinah said, uh, we're going to have a, quite a different kind of service. First of all, my sermon will be short. That's good news for many of you. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to have testimonies and more worship. Pastor Dinah has read to us Psalm 92. I just want to look at verse 1 to verse 5 again. In verse 1 and verse 2, it says that it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening. It is good. It is not only apt, it is not only proper, it's not only appropriate, but it is good. Why is it good for us to praise God, to give thanks to Him? I guess there are two reasons, two big reasons. One, God deserves all the honor and worship that we can give Him. 
You know, there's nothing we can ascribe to God that God is not. And He's so much more than what we can give to Him. So when we actually praise Him, we give Him the due honor. We give Him the due respect that He deserves. And the second reason is, when we actually praise God and give thanks, we realize that our faith is greatly enhanced and, you know, our heart is gladdened. When we focus on God and His greatness, all our problems begin to shrink in size. I remember just three nights ago, I woke up at 1 a.m. And I was troubled by some financial decision that I have to make. And it was gnawing at me. Of course, my wife doesn't know that because she was snoring away. <laughs> and I felt that I have to actually focus on God, praise Him, and give thanks. Slowly, the problem shrinks, and in the morning, I was able to resolve it. So, it is good to give thanks to God because God deserves what we can give Him, and our faith is greatly enhanced. The next question will be, you know, what do we what do we thank God for? What do we praise God for? Well, the psalmist give us uh, two pointers that we can praise God for. In verse 2, he said that it is good to proclaim your unfailing love. And it is good to proclaim your faithfulness. The unfailing love of God and the faithfulness of God are the attributes, the characters of this most high, great person, right? So, we praise God for who He is, His nature. And the second thing, in verse 4 and 5, we see that, you know, the psalmist said, You thrill me, Lord, with all that you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. Verse 5, O oh Lord, what great works you do. We praise God. We give thanks to Him also because of what He has done for us. When you think of what God has done for you, you can't help but praising Him. This morning, I woke up very early in the morning. I went for a walk. And I was just thinking about, you know, how I came to faith in Christ about 50 years back and how God has protected and kept me all these 50 years to be faithful to Him how he has given me a lovely wife, two godly children, and, you know, beautiful grandchildren. When I look at all these things for what he has done, I can't help but worship him. So we praise God for what he is and what he has done for us. Now, this is the holistic approach in praising God. But for us human beings, you know what's the problem? We always tend to divide. We always tend to emphasize on one at the expense of the other. What do I mean by that? You know, ever since Azusa Street Revival came, many churches have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, the blessing of God, miracles, signs and wonders. And over the last decades, the last few decades, People have been coming to God to ask for the works of His hands. They will say, God, 
we desire your blessing. Father, we want you to display your signs and wonders, your power, your miracles. Lord, heal that person. Father, we want spiritual gifts from you. And all these things, when we pray, God being a gracious, good, generous Father, give them to us. But the downside is that sometimes we focus so much on the hands of God, the, you know, the works of God, the gifts of God, that we often forget the giver. And that is one thing that we need to actually uh, remind ourselves. The other problem is this. A new generation, they grew up and they saw this very self-centered, maybe a selfish way that their forefathers, their elder brothers have been praying. And they swing to the other extreme and they said, God, I want to come to worship you for who you are. I seek only your face. I don't want to seek your hand, the gifts that you have. And many of them are actually sincere and they're authentic in wanting to have a pure worship of God. Well, I've tried that. I heard a pastor, I was challenged by him to wake up in the morning to go for walks and just say, let me meditate and praise God for his attributes. What I found that for myself, maybe I'm not so spiritual like some of you, you know, after day five, I find that I'm forcing myself to do it. I find that it was very mechanical, very unreal for me. And I told God, God, I'm sorry, I can't praise you alone for who you are. I need to connect with you based on what you've done in my life. And I begin to understand something here a lesson that is found, uh, that is spoken by this man, William Van Gimeren, if I can pronounce his name right. He's actually a Dutch theologian who migrated to uh, US, and he's a professor emeritus of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. A great man of God, a scholar in OT studies. And when he meditated on Psalm 92, he made this statement. The acts of God are not to be separated from his nature because his works are expressive of his nature. You get what he's saying? I think most of us don't, right? I have to read that text again because these are learned people, you know, speaking in theological jargons. Let me explain to you what it means in great uh, layman kind of English, okay? What Professor William says is this. You cannot separate the hands, the work of God's hand from the face of God, his nature. Why? Because the works of God expresses what he is as a person. For example, God say, you know, uh, I am a merciful God. He expresses his nature by forgiving us and, you know, readily pardoning us whenever we repent of our sin. 
And God said, you know, I am love. I'm a loving God. And he demonstrated himself with that love by dying on the cross on our behalf. You get what I'm saying? So we cannot separate, you know, the nature of God, the face of God from his work, the hand of God. These two are interlinked together. And it is something for us to actually really be, you know, uh, concerned about because I struggled with this for quite a while in my own life. Now, there is another lesson that I want to actually share with you. And that is from this man, you know, uh, Dr. David Guzik. Can we have a photo of him? Okay. You know, Professor David Guzik is an amazing teacher. He actually had an online commentary that is available free of charge. And I use his devotion, his commentary, to actually help me in the study of the Word of God. So I would read a passage, and I'll meditate on that passage in the Bible. And then after that, I would actually go into his commentary and hear what he has to teach about you know, that passage. And I find that I learned so much from him. And I would really encourage you all to actually use him as one person that you can actually learn from as you study the Bible. And, you know, Dr. Guzik made this statement when he said, when you want to read some, or for that matter, most of the Old Testament uh, scripture, try to see how passages in the Old Testament points to Jesus, especially in the psalm. And when you do that, you find that that passage becomes so rich and so powerful for you. For example, in verse 5, you know, the psalmist said, Oh Lord, how great, what great works you do. In some translation, he said, Oh Lord, how great are your works. When the psalmist wrote that, maybe in the 6th or 7th century BC, he was thinking about how good God had been to the nation of Israel, right? He would be thinking about how God actually established the nation of Israel through Abraham, how God actually, you know, delivered the nation of Israel out of slavery from Egypt through Moses, and how God has been providing for that nation for 40 years when they wandered in the wilderness. And God gave them a land flowing with milk and honey. These are the great works of God for the nation of Israel. But when you introduce the Lord Jesus into this verse, and when you look at this verse through the lens of the person Jesus Christ, suddenly you see something more from that verse. How great are the works of God in Jesus Christ? You know, the greatest work of God is found none other than at the cross. If you think about it, what is the greatest work that God has done? It is at the cross where Jesus died 
for the sin of the whole world. It is at the cross that Jesus shed his blood and through that blood he brought us back from the slavery of sin and purchased us, redeemed us to be priests, to worship his Father. Isn't that amazing? And God's work in Christ has not ceased. Even after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he established his church, a loving community. He put all of us inside there. He endowed us with the Holy Spirit, with power, and he gave us spiritual gifts. And he gave us a reason to live for, which is to preach the gospel to all the world. And for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has protected his church from the enemies and he has purified his church. And even though Jesus is now in heaven, he never ceased to intercede for all of us. So when you look at a verse like this, you know, how great, O Lord, are your works. And you look at it through the prism through the lens of Jesus Christ, that verse becomes richer. And I want to encourage you, when you read the psalm or part of the Old Testament, try to see Jesus in it. Why do we practice this? There is a biblical basis to do that. If you were to look at Luke 24, verse 44 to 45, this is what... Uh, Jesus said, when he actually appeared, you know, from the dead, and he met his disciples. He said to them, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened up his eyes, their mind, to understand the scriptures. And I begin to realize that when I start Reading the psalm in this way, I have a new revelation and a fresh appreciation of what God's word is. So I want to encourage you to do that. Now, God is doing great works among us. And at this point of time, I want to invite uh, Brother Brian, uh, Brian Chua, who is a young adult, to come up to share his testimony. Uh, let's welcome him. Uh, this is on, right? Okay. okay. Uh, morning, church. Uh, let me just get my notes out. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, this morning, I'll be sharing what God has been doing in my life uh, over the past month or so. Uh, it covers two main areas of my life, uh, mainly community and purity. So to begin, my closest friends are a group of guys uh, that I've known for about five years and have been with me uh, through thick and thin, like really everything. Yeah. The, the thing is, however, they're, they're not the best spiritual community. Uh, I'm sure some of you can relate. We all have those friends. Uh, most of them don't attend cell regularly, even though they are part of my cell, uh, and live very secular lifestyles. Uh, 
I was never really able to talk about my spiritual life with them because they simply had nothing to say in that conversation. Uh, there were a few times where I questioned my friendship with them uh, before God, but God spoke to me saying that this community was my lot. Uh, people that he has given me to love, like in John 13 verse 1, uh, Jesus loved his own that were in the world and he loved them to the end. Yeah, so I persevered in the friendship that I had with them with a newfound conviction to bring about growth, the growth and maturity that I had longed to see in my friends. Yeah, I, I started to pray for them more regularly and, and somehow by peer pressure or by grace of God, they attended the recent young adults camp yeah, thank you for for making that possible. Uh, and God heard me and decided to move. Two of my friends during the camp responded to a call to, re- to recommit their lives to God. Another one of my friends, who don't usually really say anything spiritual, approached me for prayer. And since then, the way our community does life together has been transformed now we can openly and freely have those conversations about life and God that I've always been longing for. And yeah, the time I spend with them is much more edifying. So I want to take this as an encouragement to those who, have, who are in a similar circumstance in your friendships. Uh, this experience has grown my faith and trust in knowing God, knowing that God hears and cares about every prayer. So I encourage you to press on. And persevere. Now on purity, um, over the past month, God has been speaking to me about the beauty and worth of Jesus as the bridegroom and as the lamb. And I began to realize that Jesus was worth more than what I was giving him. One of the areas which I felt, in which I felt this strongly was in the area of purity. Uh, I had been struggling with porn and masturbation for the longest time, constantly going through the cycles of falling, feeling remorse, repenting, and falling again. It's honestly uh, such a a tiring process, and, and I really wanted to be free from it. So over the course of Young Adults Camp and 21 Days, uh, I kept bringing it before God. And one night I felt God ask me, why is it that I watch porn and why is it that I, I masturbate and, and, and do these things? I, and I searched my heart and gave him my most honest answer, which was, because it feels good. Because I, I, I enjoy the pleasure that it gives. And in that moment I felt Jesus speak, in a very clear and very firm voice saying, Brian, they're not yours to play with. They are mine. They were not created for you to feel good. Do not use them in that way. I will not let you use them in that way. Only in the way I intended them to be appreciated. In that moment, I felt like Jesus was my older brother, who had these beautiful pieces of art that I, a toddler, took for toys and would throw them around and 
get them dirty, misusing and mistreating them. And then he comes and he reprimands me. And I can hear the deep upset in the firmness. and authority of his voice. Since then, I found it hard to view anything sexually suggestive without feeling and thinking about how upset Jesus would feel. It's still a struggle, but now I feel free from the affection that it once had over my heart. And I'll, I'll end my testimony with this verse. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. All things were made for Jesus and he's worthy of them all. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Brian, for sharing very honestly about your struggle. And, you know, Brian has said that his community has been restored in many ways over the last few months and he had a breakthrough in his addiction. I want all of us to right now just think about it. What is one thing that God has done for you in recent weeks or months that you want to thank God for? I want us to pause for a moment do a little introspection right now and thank God in your own heart what he has done. When I look at this question, I remember that over the last few months, God has quickened my spirit and the spirit of my wife and we've been spending a lot more time with God, praying and you know, just receiving from him. What is one thing that you can thank God for right now. Would you take a moment uh, to be with God before we continue? Father, we want to thank you. Lord, that you have always been good, loving, faithful to all of us. And that Lord, you have done so much in our lives that we can't help but worship you and give thanks. So Lord, accept our thanksgiving right now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God's people say, Amen. I want to just continue looking at another form of verses. The psalmist, after focusing on God, from verse 6 to verse 7 onward, he began to look at the world of fools and evil men. And in verse 6, the psalmist said, Only a simpleton would not know 
And only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. You know, a fool cannot praise God. Why? Because in Psalm 41 verse 1, you know, the psalmist said, a fool said in his heart that there's no God. When we don't believe in God, we can't praise him. And the only way that a fool can do is not to look up because he can't see God. He can only look around. And when he looks around, he sees evil men flourishing like weeds. He sees wicked people growing like grass. And he's perplexed. He's in many ways downcasted because there seems to be injustice in the world and there's no one to restore justice. And that can happen to all of us here too. When we take our eyes off God and we look into our world, we see a messy, evil world. And we get, despond- we get despondent, we get depressed inside. You know, last Sunday, Pastor Ernie preached a very long but a very you know, powerful message, right? On the persecuted church. And he tells us that, you know, even in our 21st century, there are still many people, many believers out there suffering in violence, in persecution, and even suffering death. And about two hours after his preaching, a brother in our midst, you know, Rim Kokpin, he's actually, a Kokpin, his brother Kokpin is actually the chairman or the president of a, uh, what you call marketplace mission society, International Christian Mission. And he texted me and said, you know, what Ernie shared is so true. I have a mission partner in Philippines. Let's look at this slide of this man. Bishop Juanito Porisius. This man has been serving the poor and the needy in southern Philippines, in Mindanao. And he shared the hope of the gospel with people of another faith. Some people didn't like it. Two Sundays ago, after he has ministered in his church, on his way home, some evil men accosted him and pumped a few bullets into his body. And he died. And he left behind a wife and kids. When I heard that news, I felt both sad and angry. Sad because I grieve for, you know, the family of this uh, bishop. Angry because this man has sacrificed so much of his life to serve the poor, the needy. And some people didn't like it, they killed him. Angry because I know that very likely this murderer, this assassin will not be brought to justice 
because they could not be found. When we look into this world like a fool, and we see the mess and we see the evil around us, it's hard to praise God. But we, God's people, have reason to praise Him. And that is found in verse 8 and verse 9. The psalmist once again turned back to God and said, But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemy, Lord, will surely perish. All evil doers will be scattered. That is the truth. Two truths here. One is that God will be exalted forever. God is seated at the highest place in the universe. There's nothing that can trouble him. There's nothing that can exasperate him. There's nothing that will take him by surprise. He is in full control of this world. And that is a God that we worship. That is a God who we praise. And if we look at this text here, and we you know, look at it through the lens of Jesus Christ, you know, Jesus is also exalted forever. This verse, O Lord, you are exalted forever. It applies and is magnified in Jesus Christ. Why? Because we know in Philippians 2, verse 9 to 11, after Jesus had died and resurrected, we see that, you know, Paul said, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is exalted forever. Yes, church, why don't we give the Lord an applause for what he has done. He is exalted forever. Jesus Christ is exalted forever. And then we see the other truth in verse 9. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered. And again, when we look through the lens of Christ at the cross, Jesus has defeated all his enemies and our enemies, Satan, sin, and death. And Jesus not only has won the victory, he has given that victory to us, his people. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, we read that Jesus has conquered death, conquered sin. And now, has given that victory to us. So we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We have won over sin, we have won over death, and we have conquered the evil one. Isn't it a reason to praise God today? Our sister Kim today had experienced part of this benefit of the victory of Jesus Christ. And I would like to invite her to come up to give her testimony. Sister Kim, let's welcome her. Good morning, church. 
Yeah, this morning I want to testify about God's goodness and praise Him for His faithfulness in my life and my family's. Amidst my personal, many personal trials and challenges over the past few years, God's amazing grace refreshes me and His guiding hand assures me. In the past two months, two miracles happened within my family and I'd like to share our joy with all of you. So first, let me share my story. I've had a history of borderline ovarian tumours in the past seven years. There were two prior occasions where I had cysts with tumours growing inside them and they had to be surgically removed. I removed one ovary on the first occasion and did a cystectomy on the second to save my remo- remaining ovary and thereafter I had to go for frequent checkups because of the high risk of recurrence. In July last year, another cyst was found through our regular checkup. And 10 months later, in April this year, a detailed ultrasound scan revealed that the cyst had grown to about the size of a thumb with signs of complex content within. When I met my doctor in May this year, he told me that he suspected it's another recurrence and he recommended to remove the entire uterus as well as the remaining ovary to eliminate the high risk of recurrence. My cancer marker test results had also shown a higher reading than my usual readings. So my husband and I, we took a week to consider and decided to go ahead with the operation scheduled for mid-July. The doctor then ordered for another scan in June just to be sure that the cyst doesn't grow too large for keyhole surgery. Around this time, a friend asked if we could house a missionary from China at short notice. We agreed, even though we are going away for leaders' advance that weekend. During the missionary stay, she found out from my elder girl, Isabel, about my health issues, and they spent time praying together for healing. Now, after we returned from the retreat, she also prayed for me and challenged me to believe that our Lord could heal me miraculously. On the last day before she returned to China, she also gave us a bottle of anointing oil from Jerusalem and instructed me to look for a church leader to pray for healing. The following Saturday, during our cell meeting, our AO, former Elder Hambing, came to visit and I asked him to pray for me using the anointing oil for my healing in the presence of my cell group, TBS 18A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, those of you who are my cell group, y'all can wave. Uh, former AO Elder, uh, former Elder Hambing, you can wave. Uh, all these are my witnesses to what happened. They prayed for me through the entire journey from whence the first cyst appeared, I mean, from whence the, this cyst appeared. Okay? So the very next Sunday happened to be Pentecost Sunday. If you all were here on Pentecost Sunday, I'm sure you remembered that there was a special session where the entire church was asked to walk, right? We all walked through the front and then all the leaders also prayed over us with anointing oil. My ultrasound scan happened to be scheduled at the end of that 
very weak. And during the scan, the doctor said that he could not find the cyst anymore. Yeah, hallelujah to our Lord, yeah? Then he very quickly ordered to repeat the detailed scan uh, by another doctor on the same day as a precaution, uh, which I can understand, yeah? Then, uh, as I sat in the cell group awaiting for my scan, I already called my cell group, my friends who had been praying all along to continue to pray, whilst I was overwhelmed with tears of joy because I know the Lord had already performed a miracle on me. 9 a.m. the following Wednesday morning, the doctor called and he told me, Kim, we cannot find the cyst. Good news. Again, I wept tears of joy and then I shared the news with so many, so many people. I won't be standing here today in front of you if it weren't for the Lord and His miraculous healing. Thanks be to God for His deep love, His mercy, His grace. I want to proclaim the goodness all the days of my life. I've since gone for another review in July. Double, double confirm. <laughs> the cyst no longer exists. And then the cancer marker readings have also adjusted back to my normal numbers. Hallelujah. I'm going to share another miracle that happened within the family on 31st July during the 21st day, 20, 20, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yeah, on that day, my husband, who had been going for prayer meetings, decided to ask my helper, Nora. Nora, where are you? <laughs> yeah, Nora has been attending River Life service uh, regularly for quite a while already. So my husband just asked her that night, would, would she like to attend the prayer meeting? And she agreed. Now, unbeknownst to us, she was having a problem with her wisdom tooth that dropped out just a week earlier and a lump was left on her gums that could be felt under the chin area. So that night, Pastor Ben called for those who needed healing to step forward and Nora went forward to be prayed for healing for the lump, which was still present then. Then Nora recounted to us that as Pastor Ben prayed, she felt some cool wind blow on the affected area. And later when Pastor Ben asked her to check, the lump disappeared. And those of you who were at that session, you know she was so overjoyed. She cried. She cried and she praised God for the healing. So both of us just want to thank the Lord for His presence in such an amazing way this season. We give thanks and praise to Him. And uh, He has definitely encouraged us a whole lot in our faith during this season. Yeah. Thanks be to God. When, on that night, when, uh, you know, Pastor Ben was praying for Nora, I was standing next, praying for somebody else. And when she starts screaming in joy, 
uh, I was distracted. <laughs> and I feel like telling that brother, say, brother, do you mind if I just go and see what is happening first before I come back and pray for you? You know, God has been doing wonderful things among us. I mean, what Kim shared, what Nora shared, you know, what Brian shared, are just some of the healing that's taken place. I know of at least two other ladies who have ceased, and when they were prayed over, those ceased also disappeared. I know of a brother here, you know, who was an ex-medium, and who was having uh, problems, spiritual oppressions in his life. He came for the 21 days of prayer. Near to the end of that 21 days, he felt that God has completely removed that oppression from him. Right, brother? Yes. That's what he said. And I want to tell you what happened last Sunday. A lady came to our church for the first time. She, she was a pre-believer. When worship started, she felt the presence of God very strong upon her. At the end of the service, she came up, she prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Then, she went downstairs to the guest welcome lounge to have coffee. And she met a guest welcome lounge greeter, Lillian. And she was sharing about that she had back ache. And this greeter ministered, prayed for her, and she felt a cracking sound when she turned. And after that, she felt well. And she texts a friend of mine, and he forwarded her message to me, that ever since then, she has been not having any more backache. You see, God is doing good things among us. There was a prophetic word given about almost a year ago, that God is going to give us a new season of divine grace in healing. And I've seen various people getting touched by God. So in faith today, I want to make this call. And I believe that you will join in faith with me. I want to ask all of you who are physically sick, you know, whether you have aches in your body, you have frozen shoulders, you have cancer, you have kidney failure, you have heart problem, you have cysts, you have detached retina. I keep getting this word, detached retina. Can you just stand up? Because we want to pray for you to be healed by God. Those of you who are physically sick and you need healing, divine healing, would you stand up right now? Yes, don't be shy. God, I believe will do good things among you. Now, divine healing does not only restrict to physical uh, wellness. It also covers mental wellness. Some of you here are having depression, irrational fear, anxiety, inability to sleep. You are not able to concentrate or you're having memory loss would you also stand up because we want to pray for you.
those who have mental issues. And some of you, you are having spiritual attack or you are not well spiritually. You are not able to connect with God in a deep way, no matter how hard you try. Some of you experience, like my brother here who was an ex-medium before, you experience spiritual oppression. Or you have, you need breakthrough, or you have irrational fear, addiction, and you cannot get closer to God. Would you also stand up because we want to pray for you? And divine healing also cover relational wholeness, good relationship, good closures with others. Some of you are having broken relationship. Some of you need to get out of a toxic relationship. Some of you need to forgive others. Some of you need closure with your loved ones. If you are having all this set of problems, would you also stand up right now? Yes, more and more of you are standing up. And some of you are facing financial difficulties. God can restore you in that way. You are having problems in business, in your career, in, you know, in, in managing money. Would you also stand up right now? Because we want to pray together for you. Now, you see the number of people standing up among you? Can we all do this, brothers, sisters, or sitting down? Can you actually just move to someone who's standing up? Put your hand upon them. And I would appreciate all the pastors, elders, leaders, you know, cell leaders. Would you move to those who are standing up right now? We want to pray for everyone. Let's surround all these people. Those people who need hearings and all that, would you put up your hands so that people know where you are, so that we can surround you and pray for you. Now, I want all of us to pray aloud, Korean style, in unison, together. You can pray in English, you can pray in Tagalog, you can pray in the Spirit. I will be praying partly in the Spirit. We want to pray aloud and we want to call on the grace of God, the healing power of God to touch lives today. Come, let's pray together. Come, let's pray aloud together. Okone in a shina kiana and a sakya eke, and Okiono in a shina, enokio in a shina kia, Herokiono in a sick in a kiano kone. Father, we come into your presence right now, and we believe that Lord, you have given us a season of divine grace. Lord, Jesus has given us his grace at the cross, he has broken the power of Satan, he has broken the power of sickness has broken the power Lord of sin and death and today Lord we call upon you you who are the creator and the great physician that Lord you come right now and heal those 
who are in needs, whether they're in the body, whether they have mental uh, unwellness, whether spiritually they're struggling, or even in relationship and in finance. Father, we pray that right now you would come in a powerful way and touch hearts and bring restoration and healing and God breakthrough in the lives of your people. In the name of Jesus, Lord, touch those who need your grace. Lord, give them a breakthrough. Give them all a a healing touch, a breakthrough, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Yes, Lord, do this mighty work right now. Church, I believe that God has heard our prayer because of the shortness of time. I know that some of you have been healed, but if you feel that God has done something in your life, in your body, in your relationship, in your health, in your spirit today, would you, you know, write a testimony to testify of the goodness of God? at this uh, link right here stories at riverlife.org.sg we are going to continue to worship the Lord right now we are going to praise Him give thanks to Him because He's worthy of all that we can give to Him so let us worship the Lord Presence, pour your spirit out. We're asking, pour your 
Father, we praise you and we glorify you. We are so grateful for what you have done in our lives, in our church. We are so grateful for the past 21 days of prayer and fasting. And today we're just giving you thanks for all the lives that have been impacted and how you have brought our whole church together from the Filipinos our Chinese, our children, our youth, our adults, and the entire church came together to seek your face, 
to align our hearts with yours, to, to ask you to fan our spiritual flames and to pray, revive us, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for this alignment of our hearts to yours. As we have heard today from Brian, we thank you for moving in our lives and healing our bodies through no, like in Nora and Kim's situation and so many other lives. We thank you for the salvations as well during the season of praying and fasting. We thank you for the, the cell groups that were about to close down and they were revived. We thank you for the friendships that were restored. And Lord, worthy are you, Lord. Lord, we pray and fasted not for an experience, but because we wanted to meet you, Lord, to encounter you. So we thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Big hand. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.